from KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you tonight. Matt Pajeski is our producer. Big night of sports. Welcome, folks. What a night in St. Louis. Game three, Blues and Wild. Then Cardinals will get going at 9-15 against the Giants. Cardinals looking good. They hammered the Royals and then went into San Francisco and took care of business in the first game of the series there. And now some news on Adam Wainwright, which we'll get to in just a moment, and some news on the Blues. Which one should we do first? Let's first go to Game 3. Let's look at what's happening right here in the city, and then we'll go circle back to the Cardinals. We're going to take you up to 8 o'clock for the news. Then at 8.20, we'll jump in with Cardinals Network pregame, the Cardinals and the Giants tonight with a 9.15 first pitch. It'll be Alex Cobb against Jordan Hicks. And the Blues play at 8.30, but that means like 8.45. When they say 8.30, it's about 8.45 for TV. And I'll tell you what, that place is going to be absolutely bananas tonight. Enterprise Center will be absolutely off the hook. You've got your first full-capacity postseason game in St. Louis since the Stanley Cup year, since they played the Bruins in Game 6. That's the last time you're gonna that you heard something like you're gonna hear tonight. Full throttle, unbelievable building tonight for the Blues and the Wild, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a long wait through the pandemic, through a couple of teams that could not get out of the first round. It's time, and the Blues are hampered right now. I mean, they are hurting. They're going to be without Nick Letty tonight. One of their best defensemen. They've been awesome since they acquired Nick Letty from the Red Wings. They're going to be without Robert Bortuzzo tonight. Without them. Neither of those players are going to play. Marco Scandella, maybe. Uh, Craig Berube, we'll hear from him coming up after the break, said it's a possibility they're going to make it a game-time decision. But Scandella uh, was not really skating a whole lot as a, the defenseman. Um, and he's dealing with an injury. He was on the ice uh for the morning skate for games one and two, uh, but didn't play in those. Letty has uh, a lower body injury. Bortuzzo, ha- or an upper body injury, uh, got hit in the back uh, in game one. Letty did and kept on playing, but he got hit from behind. Bortuzzo got hit in the face by a puck. I mean, it is just a mess right now. So you're talking about Rosen and Santini as your third defensive pairing. People are like, who, what? <laughs> Steven Santini, he spends time in Springfield. Callie Rosen spent time in Springfield. They're going to become big boys today because if Scandella doesn't play, those two are going to play. You're going to have Justin Falk playing the entire game. No, he's going to play probably 30 minutes, maybe a little under, 27-ish. Maybe he'll have to play 30 or 32 minutes. You're going to have uh, Colton Pareko is going to have to play 30 minutes. Tori Krug's going to have to play a ton tonight. Uh, the Blues are going to lean on uh, Mikola tonight. He's going to have to be great tonight. The Blues defense, they here's what they absolutely 1,000% cannot do. Please, if you're a Blues fan, you're going to have to make some noise tonight, but beg them, do not commit penalties tonight. If you do, it's over. If the Blues do what they did in game one, 
and they hammered the Wild and won four to nothing, but they had to kill off six penalties. I got news for you. That ain't happening tonight. If you are in the penalty box, you're going to get burned. The Blues don't have enough defensemen to be able to do that. They have great forwards, and they're going to play heavy tonight. As you know, they're going to deliver and throw out the hits that they do, and they've got some speed to accompany it, and they're going to have to score. And then finally, the Blues, if they're going to be successful tonight, must, must, must get a great game out of Villahuso. And if he isn't good, they've got to not be hesitant and go to Bennington if they have to. And that's just the bottom line. He'll, he may have to save them. So we'll see what happens tonight between the Blues and the Wild. But that's the situation. No Bortuzzo, no Letty. Maybe no Scandella. Not great. However, all of that said, the place is going to be magical tonight. It'll be absolutely jumping, and that has to be an advantage, especially if the Blues get the first goal of the night. That has to be an advantage for St. Louis against the Minnesota Wild. Good team, and they beat the Blues in game two, six to two, but I think that game was a little closer than the score indicates. That sounds like a lopsided score. The Blues didn't play a terrible game two. They just let the game get away. They were down 4 to nothing. They actually made it 4-2, could have made it 4-3. Got to get great games out of everybody tonight, and hopefully the Blues show up and make it 2-1. And then on Mother's Day, they have a chance to go up 3-1. They have home ice advantage. They have history on their side. They've beaten the Wild a whole bunch under Craig Berube. And he only lost to them once in regulation his entire time here. They swept him this past season. Although those games were close, they swept him. So we'll see what happens tonight between the Blues and the Minnesota Wild. Meantime, Cardinals taking on the Giants tonight right here on KMOX. Cardinals are playing good ball right now. They won yesterday over the Giants. Now the news coming out, and this was at at first it jarred everybody because it said the Cardinals put out a tweet that said Adam Wainwright is on the injured list. And they were taking Steven Matz off the bereavement list. And that's where they left it. And people were tweeting, oh, no, what? No, 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 no. This can't be. What is going on? What's happening? Well, very quickly, Wainwright tweeted and made sure that everybody knew that he was okay. He is entering MLB COVID protocol. And he said, quote, just so everyone knows, I feel great. Wayno just knows. Doesn't he know how to handle this? This is, he is, he, he made sure that everybody knew right away he's fine. I feel great, 100% with zero symptoms. Out of an abundance of caution and following MLB protocols, I have to test negative twice before I can return, which we're hoping is very soon. Thanks for thinking about me. That's Adam Wainwright. He tweeted that at 4.21 p.m., just minutes after the Cardinals tweeted that he was going on the IL. Now, Adam is partly right. There's actually more that he has to do before he can be cleared by Major League Baseball. He said he has to test negative twice. That is true. He also has to be asymptomatic, which he is. He also has to be without a fever for 24 hours. So if he gets that and he gets the approval from the doctors, then he is off and back with the Cardinals. But for right now, he is on the IL, so the Cardinals are down another starter. Tonight's starter, Jordan Hicks, We'll probably get a few innings, depending on pitches. Might get a little more than that. We'll see. He's been great. Best thing about Jordan is he's not just relying on his fastball. He's throwing changeup. He's throwing breaking balls. He's throwing a slide. Well, he's throwing a slider fastball changeup is his arsenal, and he's been very good at it. He, in his last game, gave up a couple, but other than that, he looked great. 
And I think the Cardinals are going to benefit from Jordan. In fact, let's play a little bit of that. Here's Jordan Hicks, first inning against Arizona. Pitch on the way. A swing and a miss. Uh, off-speed pitch. Got it. A changeup strikes out Peralta. What an effective pitch after 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. That's right. Uh, to my point, uh, the changeup takes a little bit off after the triple-digit fastballs. Here's more. Walker swings, and he's out on strikes. Couldn't hold up on the slider. Two strikeouts in the inning, but a lengthy pitch count for Jordan Hicks. What was first. that pitch, Matt? Slider. So he threw a changeup, threw a slider. Here's the next one. You know what's coming, right? Pitches, et cetera. Fastball called strike three on the outside corner. That might have been away. So Ahmed strikes out looking, and that's four strikeouts for Hicks. He's going to be a good one for a long time if he stays healthy and he's throwing like that. Fastball, changeup, slider. What's coming? I don't know. Jordan Hicks, if he doesn't have any tells, if he shows no tipping of pitches, he is going to be one of the great ones. I really believe that. I think he is super, super talented. Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll come back and shift back to Game 3, the Blues and Minnesota Wild here from Coach Craig Berube. John Rooney, the Cardinals broadcaster, will join us live at 6.30. We're taking you all the way until first pitch, 9.15, the Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants. I'm Tom Ackerman, back in a moment. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Tarasenko in his skates, can't keep it alive. Oh. Now he does. What a play by Tarasenko. Talk about strength right there. And then Robert Thomas in front. Cairo shoots, and he scores from a top angle. A power play goal by Cairo, and it's 4-1. They need that. They need a power play. They need a power play that's effective. They need Vladimir Tarasenko setting up Jordan Cairo on it. Here's Vladdy, by the way. Now the Blues to center. Thomas beats one man. Now for Buchnevich. Tarasenko shoots, and he scores! Tarasenko, and it's 4-2 as he gets his first of a series. I think those two can change a game. John Kelly with the call on Bally Sports Midwest. Cairo, if he's playing on both ends of the ice, if he's playing a two-way game and using his speed offensively and defensively, and if Tarasenko is engaged, it's anybody's game. Those two are tremendous, and that was on display in game two. I mean, you thought that game was over. And Cairo and Tarasenko both score. It's 4-2. to two. Tarasenko put a little heat on him and almost made it 4-3. There's always a chance when those two are hot on the ice. Obviously, though, the building blocks of this team to be physical, to hit, they have done that. Got to stay out of the penalty box, be physical, get opportun- opportunities to score. Here is Craig Berube, the head coach of the Blues, knows as well as anyone that this team stays the course over the long haul, they are built to win series like this. Greg, what can you tell us about Adelaide and uh, Bertuzzo? Not much. They're out. That's uh, it. Okay. No, they're out. I don't really have much information on them. No real timeline or anything. Either one of them feeling any better today that you know of? Yeah, a little bit, I guess, you know, which is a good sign. You know, I, I really don't. I haven't really communicated that much with him today. Coach, in game number one, you guys really took Caprice out of the game for Minnesota in game two. He had much more of an impact. Is there anything looking back you can point to that was different from your perspective? Well, yeah, I mean, 
he's he's a great player. Like it's, it's going to be tough to always get on top of him, which you know you, you try to do. Um, you try to take away his time and space and limit him puck touches. You know he got one on the power play and and you know he did a good job of going on the net. So like that's. You know, that's a great job by him by getting on the inside and going to a hard area to get a goal. And we gave him the two-on-one goal at the end of the game. Like, I mean, you know, we, it's, we, we don't want to be giving up a two-on-one with him and Zuccarello. Um, again, it's just about trying to take, you know, puck touches away from him as much as possible. That's it. I mean, there's not much more you, I think you can do. You, you got, when you're out there against them, it's important um, you manage the puck well and, and do those types of things. And then um, as five-man units, you got to be aware of him, where he's at. And it's a good line. It's a dangerous line. What about Scandella? We saw him on the practicing day. Will he be out there tonight? Uh, possibility, yeah. Really, it's a game-time decision. So. What would you give you if you can play if Scandella is able to go? Well, he's played, you know, he's been one of our D-men all year for the most part and a lot of experience, obviously. He's played a lot of games in the league and playoff games, so uh, experience, size, you know, he's a good penalty killer for us, and, you know, he plays against top players in the other team, so he does a lot. Frank, if you have to go with Roseman, same team, how do you approach that? Do the big guys play a lot of minutes? Do you have to protect that for a How do you approach it? Uh, matchups, I think, more than anything, you're at home. you gotta, you got to do a good job there with your matchups, and, you know, a guy like Krug and, I mean, Falk, Krug, and uh, Perinko, you know, they're going to get a lot of ice time. You know, you got to mix and match and, and get the right people on the ice against certain people. Um, but, um, you know, much, there's not much more you can do other than that. They, get, they need to play, you know. Yeah, what, do you want, uh, what do you want out of those two, uh, Rosen and Santini, if they're out there? Yeah, Rosen's doing, I think, what he does. Um, you know, he, he's a good puck mover and he's a good skater, and I think he's doing that stuff. I think he's been doing that stuff for a while for us. You know, on the other side of things, you know, he's going to have to battle hard down in his own zone. Like, he's going to have to move pucks quickly on the fort, on the breakouts, and he's going to have to battle in the D-zone coverage at the net front. They go to the net really well. And so he's going to have to compete uh, compete his butt off there. And Mikula, we all, he is what he is. He's a big guy. He gets in the way and plays hard hockey, and he, he does that stuff. So uh, Mikula just needs to be simple with the puck. Move it quick, get it out of your zone, and uh, play a simple game. And how about Santini? Yeah, same type type of player. He's um, just a stay home D man. Plays hard around the net. Um, you know, he's a disciplined player. Like again, simple puck movement, but he plays a hard game. He's going to get in the way. He's going to be physical. It's going to block shots. Those types of things. Joshua in the game, are you looking for more physicality? Yeah, and heaviness, size. He's a big guy, can skate well, he gets on top of people. I thought he was playing extremely well before he got sent down. Um, so it's you know it's a it's a good size line with a, a veteran centerman that um, you know can do the job in their own zone. Chief, are you happy with what you're getting from the Shen line right now in the first couple of games, and especially with what he's giving you physically? Yeah, Shen's, Shen's been a good physical player for us uh, so far. I think he's engaged, doing a lot of good things. Now, I, I would like to see more out of that line for sure. I think from an offensive standpoint, they you know they got three guys in there that should be able to generate offense, so we need more from them. How much can, uh, you know, your first home game, how much can a crowd help a team? 
Oh, you know, listen, it, we're the guys will be excited playing at home. We got a great crowd here, a great fans fan base. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of energy in the crowd, and so we just got to make sure we stay a little bit controlled, emotion, not get too loose. Um, play simple, play simple, play north. You know, to get into the game, and uh, things will settle down, and we'll go play hockey. Greg, what do you guys need to do to make things difficult for Flurry? Traffic for sure. Like most goalies, um, you got to get in front of them. Screens, tips, make it hard. Go to the go, go to the paint hard. Get in there, make it tough on, make it tough on their decor. Um, we weren't in the we we did not get there enough in game two. That's for sure. Uh, we went we addressed that with our team. So that that needs to be a given. Yeah, one of the you theories of this team. series that's Craig Berube is what he just said that the Blues might be able to wear down the defense of Minnesota, kind of a smaller defense. The problem is the Blues have lost some defensemen. He said it in the beginning there, no Letty, no Bortuzzo, and a maybe on Scandella. So again, your pairings are Mikola Pareko, Krug Falk, Rose and Santini. He challenged the Shen line there. Ivan Barbashev and Jordan Cairo are on the Shen line to score more. There is some scoring talent on that line. So we'll see what comes through. Of course, the big talented line of Buchnevich, Thomas, and Tarasenko has to be spectacular. You know you're going to get great play out of Sato, Riley, and Perron. Uh, we'll see where it goes tonight. It is going to be very interesting to see how Game 3 turns out. One thing is a guarantee. It is going to be very, very loud in there. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney will join us live from San Francisco, Oracle Park, the Cardinals and the Giants at 9.15. I'm Tom Ackerman, back in a moment on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Live on KMOX. Two and two with two on, two outs. The pitch. Swing and a miss for a Redbird winner. Peterson strikes out, and this ballgame has come to an end. A three-hour, one-minute game. The Cardinals beat the Giants 7-1. The voice of John Rooney, Cardinals broadcaster in San Francisco after a win last night, 7-1 over the Giants. Tom Ackerman with you in our St. Louis studios, KMOX Radio. Good evening, John. How are things in San Francisco? They are just fine right now, Tom. Uh, we have a wind blowing out to center field, a few clouds out over the bay. The Giants are taking batting practice right now. And uh, the commercial for Michael, Michael Buble a moment ago, I saw him before he became a star. He was one of the performers at the All-Star Party in Chicago when the White Sox hosted the All-Star Game in the early 2000s. And the other performer that night was Bernie Williams of the Yankees, huh. uh, a jazz guitarist, actually a classical uh, guitarist who is uh, sensational. Uh, his group performed there, and then he released his first CD right after that, and so did Michael Bublé. So uh, kind of fun being around that, being at the All-Star game. I love that when you can see an artist, uh, a performer, before they make it big, and then you can say you saw him back then. I saw Lady Antebellum, now Lady A, perform uh, during uh, the winter baseball meetings uh, way back, and they had an album that wasn't coming out until... April the 15th, the next year, 
this was in December, and I can't remember how many years back now, but look at where they are. They're they're just giants in the country music industry. Yeah, Tony LaRusso used to push them all the time. He would say, you got you to see him. You got to see Lady Antebellum, now Lady A, as you mentioned. You got to see him. Um, what, what's going on with the White Sox, by the way? Let me, let me look at the standings here real quick. They are 11-13. and 13. All right, they've won three in a row. They're starting, they're, they're starting to win, yeah. but they're banged up. Uh, I can't keep up with all their injuries, and haven't really looked into it that closely there, but uh, you know, well, they said Tony Larusa just couldn't manage. He's too old. There'll be too much of a generational gap. Yeah, he can't get his message across. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, he's doing like just he's fine. He's going to listen to that, or the Jerry Reinsdorf really cares about that kind of reporting, which he doesn't. Right, and, exactly. Uh, they won a division last year, and they'll be in it all the way this year. They sure will. Minnesota leads that Central Division by two and a half games over the Guardians. The Angels, pretty good team. Angels leading the West, and the Yankees have a big lead, two and a half in the East right now. This Giants team is also banged up. They've lost four in a row. Cardinals got them yesterday, but I heard uh, Dave Fleming on the pregame show with Mike Claiborne yesterday, and he made that point. They need some left-handed hitters. They are they're missing them. Yeah, that they are. They're they're missing uh, some experience and consistency. And one of those left-handed hitters, Tommy Lastella, is out. And then, of course, uh, right-handed batting Evan Longoria. That's some power and a pretty good third baseman, even though the way Jason Vossler played at third base last night, uh, no drop-off defensively, that's for sure. But the Giants, uh, who have been really laying it on opponents up until recently, they've lost six out of seven and four in a row. Uh, They didn't have a chance to lay it on last night. The Cardinals did. And by having an opener and then the rest of the bullpen, only one member of the bullpen didn't pitch last night. And the Cardinals were able to get seven runs off that Giants bullpen and win seven to one and see that bullpen in the process, Tom. I thought that was very important. It was absolutely important. Palante, what a talent. He he has some guts too. Something that you need in that spot with Miles Michaelis as good as he's been, ends up walking batters, the bases are loaded, and Palante, what that was the turning point of the game, I thought. Well, I don't know if you can tell it in our voices, but when Ricky says that Palante's warming in the bullpen, uh, there's a little more emphasis on his name just because of what he's been able to do and how excited we are to see him come into a situation like that to experience what he's going to do with that situation. And last night, it only took him like four pitches to get a ground ball, and Nolan Arnato picked that ground ball and made it an out. And uh, what a performance. Yeah, it was a terrific performance by the Cardinals' bullpen. They are able to lock it down, and they also add. And they have been able to do that late. And Juan Yepes got the last RBI off to a terrific start. That young man has a big league swing and approach, doesn't he, John? I really really think, Tom, that uh, he needed just a little bit of confidence. And that's something he didn't have in spring training. He was making a lot of outs, striking out and really pressing. That's what we saw out of Yepes in the spring. And coming off all those home runs and RBIs in the minors the year before, he just needed to have something good happen. And he hit nine home runs in the minors before he got the call up. And to think that he could get two doubles, his first two at-bats, after traveling, and, and, you know, he had broken sleep where he had to stay overnight when the connecting flight was canceled in Washington, D.C., and then get into Kansas City and get right to the ballpark and get dressed and go out and take a few swings in the cage and then play a major league game, uh, That that's terrific. Uh, he was running on adrenaline, I'm sure, but uh, coming out here last night and 
competing. He struck out for the first time at the big league level, but that was a great, great plate appearance because he kept fouling off several pitches, and then he missed one on strike three. But he got his first RBI later on in the game, and that was exciting to call. Ricky and I and, and Claves, we've had uh, the good fortune to be able to follow these young players and call the first major league hit for Brendan Donovan, for Yepes, and to call the uh, first major league win for a few pitchers and uh, Palante with what he did in Miami and what he did here last night. Uh, he's really building a solid foundation to be a seven or eight inning pitcher come in in the seventh or the eighth and set up a closer in the ninth. And when you add Ryan Helsley to the mix and how hard and how accurately he's throwing, how uh, he is uh, really commanding the strike zone with a pitch that is anywhere from 97 to 103. And then you can come in with Giovanni Gallegos, who has that downer slider working for him. Uh, there's some nice versatility, and it is uh, a very uh, diverse bullpen for the Cardinals. No question. And then on the other side, you look at the starting rotation, and COVID has made its way around this club a little bit. Also some non-COVID illnesses, but at any rate, Adam Wainwright has entered COVID protocol. He needs two negative tests, 24 hours without a fever. Basically, he needs to be asymptomatic. And then he can come back. In the meantime, the waiting game is on, John. And the Cardinals do have some depth, but the depth will continue to be tested. Uh, it will be all year, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's injuries or ineffectiveness. Uh, there's a long, long way to go as we're getting set to play the 26th game of the season for the Cardinals and two more games after tonight on this road trip. And then the team will be back home for a week. And you just have to go day by day with all this, even though Wayno says he, he feels pretty good uh, but he tested positive so he has to go through all the protocols and hopefully he'll uh, be able to travel back with us where the Giants had Yastrzemski he had to stay in our nation's capital for about a week when he came down with COVID-19 so we'll see how all that plays out but uh, Adam uh, we saw him yesterday looked well and uh, but the test went the other way, I guess. Yeah, he was very quick to put out on Twitter, I'm fine, thanks for all your support, 100%, feeling good, and all those kinds of things. Good to have Steven Matz, by the way, back uh, with the club as well. And he'll pitch well. tomorrow. Yeah, uh, he'll go tomorrow. you got Hicks tonight against Cobb. John, it's also the birthday of Willie Mays. Willie the Mays, Say Hey Kid, hey kid hey is kid. 91. Just your... And we're going to hear an interview that uh, Mike Shannon did with Willie Mays coming up on this show, but... Jack Buck once said the greatest player he had ever seen. Uh, your your recollections of Willie Mays as a player. And for people who uh, were able to see him play, I only got to see him play in person one time and got to be around him many times uh, long after he retired. And many remember him for that time with the New York Mets in uh, 1973 where he was just kind of a mirror image of what he was for the bulk of his career. But this guy did so many things that uh, I don't think we'll ever see a player put together that kind of career, just like I don't think we'll see 11 years out of any single player what we saw from Albert Pujols when he was with the Cardinals. But Willie Mays could hit, he could run, he could field, he could throw. Uh, he was probably a 100-tool player, let alone a 5-tool <laughs> player. He did everything, and he was smart. That's what Mike Shannon always said about him, extremely smart. Jeff Torborg was catching for the Dodgers and Drysdale pitching. And one day Willie came to the plate and didn't even look up and started digging in. When he looked up, he saw Drysdale, and he hit Drysdale well. He hit Drysdale well, Koufax, uh, some of the really, really good pitchers. He was able to turn them around and do a great job, but he looked and saw it was Drysdale and stepped out, started filling the hole that he was digging in. 
He said, I wasn't thinking when I came up here, Jeff. Tell him I wasn't thinking. <laughs> he didn't want to wear the uh, the commissioner's signature at that time, the National League president's signature uh, on his forehead. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it is going to be uh, great to hear your call tonight. Cardinals, just two classic teams, organizations, fan bases. It'll be a lot of fun tonight to hear it. You're two and a half hours away from first pitch, 9-15. The Cardinals and the Giants really appreciate the time, John. Uh, you during... bet, Tom. And, and each game the Cardinals and Giants play, it's a different chapter. So that's why it's always fun to observe. Say hi to everybody up in the booth, Jim and Ricky and Klaibs, John you Rooney. You just have, did. Have a, there you go. Oh, good. Hi, guys. I uh, appreciate it very much, John. Thank All right, you. Tom. Take care. Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney with us. Sports Open Line, 645. We'll take a quick timeout, come back with much more coverage. It's like a double pregame show, Matt. You have the Cardinals tonight. You have the Blues game three tonight. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment. In St. Louis, it's Sports Open Line. I'm Tom Ackerman. Great to be back with you. It is May 6th. It is Willie May's birthday. He's 91 today. And Mike Shannon, once upon a time, visited with one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, He said, what kind of book you want? I said, I want a book that people can talk about me rather than me talking about myself. So he had about a thousand names that people could tell stories. Actually, the book is kind of thick, but uh, with all the people that I knew all over the years, so uh, I think he did a good job myself. I did a good job in writing. Uh, uh, the book went well as far as uh, you know, finance was concerned. So uh, it, was, it was just a good, good story, you know. And uh, a lot of your friends were in that book, uh, talking about you. Yeah, a lot of friends that when I got married down in Acapulco, I had about 15 or 15 or 18 guys, uh, you know, mans and wives that go with me. Uh, American Airlines paid for them, and uh, uh, they did a good thing for me. So I had a lot of friends that uh, came up and started talking about, you know, what, you know, re- they remember the time that I was down there, you know, in Acapulco. We stayed about a week and a half down there, you know. Take me back to Montreal uh, when you got to Montreal. Do you remember that? Montreal? Uh, as a player. As a player? Uh, I don't recall doing anything different in Montreal. I know, I know when, I, when I was traded, that's where I was at Montreal, and I, was, I went to New York from there. But what, what are you looking for in, in, in situations? Didn't you, didn't you uh, play AAA ball in Montreal before no, you came to no, the Big no, I played Minneapolis. Minneapolis. The where? Millers. Minneapolis. Okay. Millers. No, I didn't play that. Uh, uh, I played the Millers. Actually, I was only there for about two weeks or three weeks. With me. I played in Trenton, New Jersey. Okay. B-ball for yeah, about two and a half months. Yeah, they had all that junk. And I, and I said to myself, what am I doing down here? Because it was kind of easy. You know, I hit, uh, what I hit? I was hitting about 400. Then the guy called me and says, you can't win the band championship. So I said, what do you mean I can't win? He said, well, you only had so many times at bat. So I said, I'll just shag. So I hit about 355. And then I said, I got to move up. <laughs> so they sent me to, to Minneapolis, uh, Sanford, Florida, in spring training. So uh, those are the two clubs. And then I came right up in, you know, in May. About May 24th, 25th, something like that. When you look back through your career, what are some of the things that you're the happiest about? Well, <clears throat> all the people, all the guys that I played with, they were friends of mine. 
uh, I didn't like to uh, uh, have guys uh, that I was call my friend because they get traded, you get sad. Uh, I like to feel that it was a it was a thing where I made people around me as good as they wanted to be, meaning that I would tell them what to do and, and I would try and uh, make sure that they understood that this is a team, not an individual thing, even though uh, Mac and I would try to hit home runs, but it's not about us. It's about winning, and we had a good clubhouse uh, with all the guys there, so I like to feel that all the time I play, I play with good guys, and they enjoy me playing you know, uh, with me. You know? Those early days, though, when you came out here to San Francisco, it was a big deal. I mean, this yeah. city really adopted the, the Giants and especially Willie Mays. Well, in the first year, it wasn't like that. The first year, 1958, uh, it was kind of hard because uh, they didn't know who I was. They heard about it, but they also had my favorite player, which was Joe DiMaggio. They didn't know that. And uh, they didn't know that uh, I you know, tried to copy everything that Joe did. So after they found out uh, the first year, it was like, you know, smooth sailing because the first year I had, I had a good year. Uh, I only hit about 29 home runs, but uh, I should have hit more, but I tried to, you know, play that game. When I said that, I hit about uh, 345. Rich Ashburn beat me out the last day of the season. You know, he bunted four times. <laughs> and I told him, I called him up. I said, you got to begin. You, why don't you play the game? He said, well, I know you was going to get two or three, so I had to bunt. He bunted four times. And as you well know, he could run. You know? Yes, right. So uh, we, we just had a good time. You, know? you had to change your style out here, though, Willie. You were a yeah. pull hitter, and then when you got the candlestick, you had to hit the ball the other way. Well, we played in Shell Stadium the first year that we got out here in 58. And then we moved to uh, Stick. And what I found out, we didn't have a fence. It, the, the fence was the bleachers. And I couldn't hit the ball in the bleachers because it was so far. It was like 415, 425. And then they brought it in to 390. And I said, wait a minute, bring it a little closer so I can get some home runs. So I changed the style of... Uh, hitting home runs, so I hit it. The wind would blow to right center, as you well know. And when I hit the ball, I try to hit it straight away center field and let it blow over to uh, a right field. So I did pretty good that way. You know? Yeah, real good. I remember when you come to St. Louis too. They had the in the old ballpark. They had the screen up there, and you'd hit home runs just a little bit to the left of the <laughs> screen. <laughs> yeah, when I when I came to uh, uh, St. Louis, uh, uh, they taking the screen down for Stan. And I said, boy, that's good for me. <laughs> so uh, it was so many home runs hit. I don't know if you remember, so many home runs was hit to right, they put the screen back up <laughs> because it's only a double now, you know. So, but Stan didn't need no screen. You know, he was such a good hitter. What, what's the screen going to do for him? Because he always hit the ball long ways anyway, you know. So uh, it was good for me to, to just play in St. Louis, you know. It's always a pleasure to see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Well, it's great to hear him. Willie Mays, he is 91 today, born on this date in 1931 in Westfield, Alabama. I'm Tom Ackerman. Willie's Giants taking on the Cardinals tonight at 9.15. We'll take you up to first pitch. Back after the news on KMOX.